or not. So uh, if somebody could go ahead and do that for me, I'd appreciate it. <clears throat> I've been <clears throat> uh, struggling with a cold or something this week, and, and I thought it was going to kind of get worse and worse, but thank the Lord, it's kind of let up a little bit this morning, so thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse number one, we'll just read two verses right now. Um, there's going to be a lot of scripture read, and so when we have the long portions of scripture being read, have your Bible ready because you'll probably, instead of looking it up at the, the board here, uh, you, you just take a look at your, your Bible and go through uh, the long portions of Scripture. We're going to be reading through most of this chapter and elsewhere. And so, uh, so as we go through that, right now we're just going to read first and second verses. <clears throat> second Chronicles chapter 24, verse number 1. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Ziba of Beersheba. And Joab did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. What a blessing. What a blessing to hear about this little ruler who they sat on the throne at seven years old. Can you imagine that? They, you remember the story last week we went over how Joash was hidden as an infant and they kept him hidden for six years and then the seventh year... They brought him out, and they put him on the throne and, and uh, dethroned the wicked uh, Queen Athaliah, the bogus queen. And, and uh, what, a, what a great thing to hear and to see the, the turnabout of the, the throne, but then also the nation. And uh, uh, he's seven years old when he began to reign, and you see that he did which was right. But I'd like to bring out the last phrase of verse number two. He did right all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Thank you. Appreciate that. All the days of Jehoiada, that's when he did right. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you'd bless it to our hearts, help us to understand some things this morning <clears throat> that would be uh, important for each one of us to understand and to note and to see what took place with Joash and how that he reigned and did such a great job, but then we see later some of his failures. And so, Lord, I pray that you just help us to to understand it's not a story about Joash, it's a story about us and so where we are and our relationship with you and our maturity and, and our walk with you. So Lord, I pray that, that today you bring this home uh, to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this story began with good King Jehoshaphat. You remember uh, some generations back, two generations ago, Jehoshaphat followed the Lord to a great degree, did so many good things. Prior chapters, you hear of all of the good things that Jehoshaphat did, and he was called a good king. He was recognized as a good king even by the Lord. You could say that his obedience, uh, although great, was not 100%. We tend to grade him uh, as, far as, as far as all that he did, in the most part of his life, we grade him well. He did follow, he did obey, he did respect and fear, fear the Lord, but it was just that seemingly insignificant disregard to the clear command of God concerning separation that brought the whole house of, hard, house of cards down on his family and his kingdom that we noticed, um, well, the two weeks ago and then last week. <clears throat> Who would have ever dreamed that his son would have turned out so contrary to God's laws through his exposure to the wicked in the person of Jezebel's daughter. Uh, his son marries Jezebel's daughter, Athaliah, and boy, did she ever turn out to be a witch. 
We noted, we noted how important it is to completely follow the Lord to the utmost and how that the slightest disregard to the commandment and the instruction of the Lord <clears throat> can be ultimately devastating. And we've got to remember that. We've got to, we've got to note that. We've got to, we've got to see that. And then last week, we saw how that wicked queen Athaliah, when her husband, Jehoshaphat's son, dies, she gains the throne and, and uh, she kills everybody else, her grandchildren even, because she wants to make sure that there's nobody else uh, that is an heir to the throne. She wants that seat. And so she takes reign, and, and, but then she was defeated by the godly priest Jehoiada, who saved baby Joash. Well, actually, it was his wife his aunt, that saved him from the bloodstained claws of his grandmother. And that whole story, it's an amazing story of how that they, they stole him away as an infant and they hid him in the chambers in the house of God. And especially how that there would have been no victory that day had not David amassed an armory of swords and shield, medals, a, a testimony to God's power stored in the trophy cases in the temple. We looked at that story, and how could we fail to see that our victories today will enable greater conquest for others down the line in the future? And we asked the question, how is my trophy case? How is your trophy case? Are you, are you winning? Are you seeing conquest in your life? You see victories in your life that maybe those that come behind you could have a greater victory because of the accomplishments, because of what God's done, because of the, the faith that you've employed in your, in your life? Well, that's a, a good question. How is my trophy case? Well, <clears throat> this morning, we're continuing with the key actors in our three-part, three-generation play, looking at the life of good King Joash. As we said, men are a mixed bag, good and bad. Some good, some not so good. Some healthy qualities and some harmful foolishness. And Joash was no different. For the most part, he was a good king. <clears throat> he was a good king that started out well, had a good mentor, good teacher. <clears throat> Ruling it at age seven, you got to understand, he, he really had the help of those his counselors and those his teachers that were kind of like ruling through him. But uh, he was the one that would eventually take the full weight of responsibility of the kingdom. So for the most part, he was a good king. He did so much for the strength and prosperity of Judah. He also derailed later in life when pride and independence from God overtook and, the, and got the best of him. And so let's read about it. First of all, he did right by Jehoi Jehoiada's instruction and his guidance. Jehoiada was a strong character in this whole, in this whole story, multi-generational. He stepped in here. He did what was right. He was a godly priest. He, he uh, knew the right things. He, he risked his life, but he was, he was a great instructor, a great guide. Second Chronicles 24, verse number 2. It says, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. In verse 3, we go on. And Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And so Jehoiada was his guide, his ruler. He was kind of the one that was uh, uh, instructing him and had, he, had, had him go in the way that was right, that he, he saw was, was a good, good uh, way. But then as Joash got older, he did right on his own. It wasn't all Jehoiada because 
he gets older and he starts thinking for himself. Second Chronicles chapter 24, look at verse number 4. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. He says, come on, we want to get this thing moving here. What's going on with the house of God? Why is it in disarray? Let's, let's get this worship proper. Let's honor the Lord like we should. And there's people that were dragging their feet. Verse 6. And the king called for Jehoiada, the chief, and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? He says, hey, it's a good question. Why is everybody dragging their feet? Why aren't you on to this thing and, and uh, putting a whip to this? This is a good, good act, a good move. Let's get this thing moving. And that's Joash. And he actually has to, to move Jehoiada in, in the way. Verse 7, he goes on. For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. That's an idol. That's an idol, that's a, a satanic idol. Verse 8, and, uh, and at the king's commandment, they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring it into the Lord, the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until, until they had made an end. What a great story. What, what some great moves. Here's this guy, he comes in, takes the throne, and when he gets to feel in his oats, he's doing the right thing. Note that in the text, Jehoiada got him going in the right direction, and then Joash takes righteousness to the next level. Amen. Hey, that's good. They're a mutual help in accountability and service. And that's right. That's good. He's helping Joash do right and be right, and Joash turns around, and he's just listening to his mentor, his teacher, and saying, hey, this is what you said that we ought to do. Let's do it. And so he gets Jehoiada moving also. When righteousness is, is taught, everyone benefits and helps one another to stay straight. You know, folks, I could, I could say that as an example in my own life with my own kids. And they're telling my kids what to do and how to do it and whatever, you know, instructing them as they're small. And then they get older. Many times, they're the ones that are actually doing right and turn around saying, hey, Dad, this is what we ought to do. And I'm going, you know what? You're right. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, and so you, you get a mutual help from each other. And that's what was going on here with Jehoiada and Joash the king. Also note that the best, the treasure, the cream can only go to one destination. Verse number seven. Let's read that verse again. It said, For the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God and also to all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. Goodness. They took the best, the cream, the, <clears throat> the treasures that they had in the house of the Lord, and they siphoned it off to idolatry. You see, <clears throat> you, you don't split up your fruit. You can't. You only have one best. It either ends up on one altar, God's or Baal's. Dedication either goes to God or, well, let's say 
other than God. Okay? Let's, let's make two categories. You don't have to say Satan or, or the devil or wickedness. How about other? You see, <clears throat> your best, your treasures, the very best that you put out, that which you cherish the most goes to either God or other. Your worship, your focus, your dedication, your fear, your allegiance, your ultimate consecration, <clears throat> folks, that's ex- exclusive. You only have one best. <clears throat> and God does not, nor will he share his worship will an- with another. See, that's the difference between a person who is dedicated to perfection or dedicated to a career or to loved ones or to art, or to music, or to education, or science, or politics, or even dedicated to a nation, which those things are not bad in and of themselves, but a person can only be uh, dedicated to one of those things, or one who is first and foremostly dedicated to God. That person that is dedicated to God, he can also be the best in his particular field, He could be the best educator. He could be the best scientist. He could be the best friend. But God is his primary aspiration. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Being completely dedicated to God pushes excellence in any field. But the primary objective doesn't change. To be totally dedicated to God. See, God may have you to be the best teacher that you could be. God may have you to be the best scientist, the best artist, the best uh, accountant. God may have you to be uh, the best politician, the best leader that you can be in, in whatever field that you're in, but you can't, you can't totally dedicate yourself to God and. It's either God or something else in life. So you today have a dedication either to God or to Anything else? Fill in the blank. What is your ultimate dedication to? See, there's only two categories, folks. But what a difference in the outcome. Verse number 7 says, All the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. All the dedicated things, all the treasures, all the very best, they gave to the, uh, the, the idol there. It was Satan, actually. What is it that you're completely dedicated to? See, there's only two choices. Is your dedication totally to the Lord? Saying, listen, this is what I want to be, who I want to be. My life, when it's all said and done, I want the, the most to be known about me, that he was, that she was dedicated to Christ. Or is it dedicated to whatever, fill in the blank? Really? Where are you? How is it with your life? And folks, I'm telling you, you can't have both here. You can't have two. It's either or. Now, let me say this. I have known some Christians be totally dedicated to Christ that were superb scientists. And man, did they shine. I've known Christians, very few of these, totally dedicated to God and were phenomenal athletes. I'm sorry, but I'm telling you, few, because I mean it, few. You have 
those who even say that they have a dedication to Christ and something else goes before the Lord. Uh, and what is this? What, what is that? Folks, you are dedicated to something, someone. And it's not both. It's to one or the other. And like I say, it's not bad to want to be the best in your, of your field. It's not bad to, to give your life to a, a cause, especially if it's a good cause. But you know what? Any cause that is not deity, any cause that is not God, is less, you're selling yourself short. I'm telling you, you're selling yourself short. The cream can only go to one destination. See, what they did was they took the dedicated things and turned around and gave them to Balaam. Okay, well, now note the joy in giving and the sacrifice that they had. Verse number 10. The Bible says, And all the princes and all the people rejoiced. This is when they gave. Remember, they put the chest out there, and they said, Hey, we've got to get this thing moving. And so they gave, and they rejoiced, and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. Matter of fact, they had enough, and they, they had more. It was wonderful how that they gave. Let me, let me say this about an attitude in giving. Attitude in giving is a spiritual indicator. It really is a heart condition of gratitude, of joy, of happiness accompanies the right kind of giving. Folks, I have given in the past, kicking the rock as I'm going, you know, give this, okay, you got to give, you know, and, and it's, you know, you heard the saying, uh, give till it hurts, yeah, and I, it hurts me, you know, and you know what, that's not the right kind of attitude, I'm just telling you, that's not, that's not what we see here. Matter of fact, throughout the Bible, when when one consecrates themselves, their their funds, their their wealth to the Lord, if they're right, if their heart is right, it's a joy. It's like I get to give. I, I get to make a difference for the Lord. He's gonna be able to use this for his glory. And folks, it's a totally different thing. They rejoiced. First Chronicles 29:9. Then the people rejoiced for that they had offered willingly because with a perfect heart. Notice the giving and the heart connected. There's, it's a, it's a, a, a tether between your heart, your attitude, and your giving, your sacrifice. It says, because with, a, with, a, the, with perfect heart, and I, I remember reading this, with a perfect heart. No, no, it says with perfect heart. They offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. This means that's the condition of their heart. If you were to identify their heart, it's a perfect heart, because that's the way that they gave. Their heart was connected. When they gave, they rejoiced. You remember David in this scene? He wanted to give, and he wasn't even going to see the temple. But man, he gave, and gave over and above, and of his own uh, uh, stores that he gave, not just t- take it from uh, the government that he was over and say, well, yeah, give this and give that. No, no, it personally cost him. And he was, you, you remember his attitude? He says, Lord, what are we that we could actually give, that we could give to you and to, to your uh, purposes? He, and they rejoiced, folks, they rejoiced with great joy. Acts 2, verse 45, the Bible says here, believers sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Gladness. See, they didn't obsess over counting how much it was. It was just 
give. They wanted to give. They wanted to give. And, and it was for the Lord. And, and they were able to do that and were grateful. And they had a gladness in giving. They were glad they were able to give. 2 Corinthians 8.1 Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Those are words that don't seem like they go together. Joy and deep poverty. Meaning, you don't have enough. You're, you're tightening the belt. You're just skating by. Just scraping by. Joy and scraping by. No, no, usually you're scraping by. It's misery. It's terrible. don't have enough. I wish I had more. I'm looking for another job. Or whatever. That's, that's the attitude. But it says their joy and their deep poverty. How did that work? Well, they had the right heart attitude. That's what it says. It says it was the grace of God that did this for them. The grace of God bestowed on the churches in a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They gave and they gave over and above. For to their power I bear them record, yea, and beyond their powers, even more than what they could have or maybe should have given. They were willing of themselves, uh, verse 4, praying with us which mu- with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Man, I tell you what. Joy and giving always goes together when the heart's right. When the heart's right. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart. There again, the heart and the action of giving is connected. It's always connected. He purposed it in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Folks, that word cheerful is the same word that we get hilarious in our English uh, language. Hilarious, joyful, happy, laughing. I, I get to make a difference in the kingdom of God because I get to give. Now, there's a, that's an attitude. That's a, a different attitude. That's something that, that's, that's a great thing to have. And that's what where they were, folks. In their giving, in Joash's day, they gave with a with joyful heart. <clears throat> but it's too bad that the story of Joash didn't end right there where we read. See, because <clears throat> it goes on. Remember the good and the bad and the human characters? Well, let's go on in Second Chronicles chapter 24. Look at verse number 14 and read along with me. And when they had finished it, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, where, whereof were made vessels for the house of the Lord, even vessels to minister and to offer withal, and spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Now, you wouldn't notice anything about that until you read on. But right there, it says they continually serve God, honored God, sacrificed for God, with this, with this caveat, with this qualifier, all the days of Jehoiada. See, it was while this strong leader was around, it's while this godly man was around to help them, to lead them, to guide them, they, they were conti- consistent in their giving and their joy and their honoring God and getting things right. And right all the days of Jehoiada, verse 15, but it goes on to say, 
But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Now after the death of Jehoiada came the priests of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. Verse 18, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. What? Idolatry? Sure enough. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespasses. Those snakes, they were in the shadows just waiting for the opportunity to strike. Now they couldn't when Jehoiada was around. He wouldn't have any of that. He would not have allowed it. But Jehoiada was gone now. Hey, now, wait a minute. Was Joash so shallow as to fall as soon as the exterior props were removed? Had he no character at all? No inner strength? Did he not have any moral compass to himself? Now, this is when he's a man, when he's, when he's a, a, an adult. Did he have no... no uh, guiding principles in his life here at this time, just to go ahead and listen to the contemporaries that, that brought him off, off track. Thus we learn a hard truth. He didn't, he didn't have the strength that he seemed to have. Hey, folks, do you hear what I'm saying? He didn't have the strength that it looked like he had when he had the exterior props when he had others deciding for him. No, no, his strength was derived from others. And so is the condition of individuals around strong characters. Sometimes when, when somebody's a, uh, an overbearing, a powerful person or a strong character, then you'll, you know, he, they're kind of guiding others around them. And, and uh, uh, those around that person, they look pretty good till the props are kicked out from under them. Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You might think you're strong, but when trial comes in a time of testing, and we don't discover that till we're tested. We don't really even know about that until the Jehoiadas are gone. You see, this is true, folks. This is true in any realm. You've got businesses and spiritual institutions in nations, leaders who leave a vacuum when they're gone because they're strong leaders, because they're, they're uh, 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 characters who are going to do right or, or, or they have character, they, have, they, they go by righteousness. So you, you see this in churches, you can see this in schools, you can see this in institutions that crumble after Dr. So-and-so is gone or after some leader in, in this movement is no longer with them and, and no longer guiding and no longer saying, hey, this is the way we should go. Let's walk there and, and others come with them. And all of a sudden you, you, you find that there's a vacuum and, and it's not like that forever. Oh, man, this is so true for children who grow up in church. I don't know that I know of a heartache, a grief, any more for parents than to have their kids in church every service that they were able to 
of their lives for 15 years, for 18 years, for 20 years. And then they go, boom, gone. What happened? As a matter of fact, it's at that point, sometimes parents will step back and say, what happened? How could I not see that? Well, they were going upon the strength of others around them. They were going by the, 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 the moral compass of somebody else. It wasn't their own. They had none. Someday they find out that they never had it. You see, because somebody else is deciding. See, look, when, when we were growing up, well, let me go back to my dad's house. If my dad said, we're going here, we all went there. We wouldn't say, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't be in existence today, you know, if I had those kind of reactions. And neither would my kids. We're growing up and we're, we're going to church. Church again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's it. We're just going to church. Somebody said, <clears throat> I had a drug problem when I, was in, when I was younger in my life. My parents, they drug me to Sunday school and they drug me to church and they drug me to Sunday night and they drug me... <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the way it is. When, when you're, you're, you've got a situation, and this is my house, and we're all going to go this way. Um, how does Joshua put it? Uh, uh, this is my house, and we will serve the Lord. How does it go? Somebody help me. As for, thank you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the way it's going to be. Everybody within the, the voice of my, of my uh, uh, within the sound of my voice in my house goes according to Big King Richard. Okay, we're doing this. This is my decree. And we're all doing it. There's no question. And you know what? You can go, you could do that for years. And then all of a sudden, you find out the truth. She never did have it. He, he, he never did get it. Because when, when the props are not there, when it's not forced, when it's not a, a rule, when all of a sudden they're going to be making choices on their own, what happened? You see that sometimes it's with spouses who change course when one uh, leaves, there's a divorce or there's a death or something like that, and, and then the remaining spouse. I've seen this both ways, where somebody's in church, and man, they're there, they're faithful, and their spouse dies or, or moves on somehow, and, and then you never see them again in church. It's not a big deal to them. They don't, that's not their choice. See, it was never their choice. They were keeping peace while they, they had a marriage and whatever and whatever. Or, or the other way around, vice versa. Or somebody would love to be in church, but, you know, their, their spouse is just not there and their spouse is gone. And, hey, I'm making this. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Naomi. You remember in the book of Ruth? Naomi was such a person just like that. She, uh, Ruth chapter 1, it says, Elimelech says, honey, got a job down in Moab. We're going into Moab. And she goes, no, what are we doing? We're in Bethlehem. This is the house of bread. I know that there's a famine right now, but if we just stay faithful to the Lord, you know, I don't know. I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall and hear those conversations. We're, we're not privy to that. All it says is that the, the man in the house there decided he's going to uproot his family and they're going to go live in Moab. And they did, and they got blasted for years and years and years. God kills off uh, Elimelech. And now I can see Naomi finally saying, well, hey, it's 
finally time. Let's go back to, to, to Bethlehem. Let's get back to the blessings of God. And, and uh, um, Chilion and, and Malon, the sons, the firstborn says, you know, Mom, it's my, my time. I'm now uh, the, the head of the house and I'm supposed to make the decisions, and I think we're, you know, Dad's business is doing pretty good out here. Uh, we're staying. Oh no! What are you doing? That's what we've been here for. We've been blasted all of these years. Don't you see? God's blessings is not here. Let's go back. And would not have it. God killed off Dad and the two sons before Naomi then had the choice on her own, and she says, "I'm going back." to God's people and the blessings. I'm going back. I want to get back underneath the blessings of God. And she, had, she decided that, and then she, she said, I'm going. And that's where Ruth said, I'm, I'm coming with you. You can't make me not. I'm coming with you. She finally had the choice of her, on her own, and she did what she... You know what, folks? When there's, when there's others around, we can certainly be fooled at what it looks like. You know? Because... They're just going off of the faith of somebody else. They're just going off of the, uh, of the strength of somebody else. Somebody else who knew how to pray. And so they were just around the blessings of God all their life. Somebody else who was in church. So they're in church. Somebody else who, who followed the Bible and learned the Bible. And so they learned the Bible along the way. Because, of, But you know what? That doesn't happen forever. They've been going on and on and on. And all of a sudden, there's a choice to be made. Wow really brings things out. Second Chronicles chapter 24. Look at with me, verse number 19. See, Joash looked pretty good till push came to shove, and he forgot where the blessings came from. He was going underneath Jehoiada's program for so long. The priest, his teacher, his mentor, and he was just following, being blessed all of his life. And then he forgets all about that. Look at Second Chronicles 24, 19. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord. <clears throat> and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest. Now here's Jehoiada's gone. His son, is a, he's a preacher. And he says, hey guys, you know why we're, we're seeing the, the, the blastings now and not the blessings? We're getting out of God's will. We're, we need to get back to where God will bless us. It says, the son of, uh, upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that ye cannot prosper? I like how he puts that. You can't prosper. There's no way for you to prosper. Let me tell you something, folks. This preacher, underneath the authority of God's word, tells you the same thing and tells me the same thing. If we get out of God's will, we cannot. It's not like we will not, but we won't. We can't. You can't prosper when you go away from God. That's exactly what he said. That you cannot prosper because you have forsaken the Lord. He has also forsaken you. And they conspired against him and stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king, of King Joash, in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus, Joash, the king, remembered not the kindness with Jeho which Jehoiada, his father, had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, how about this? For, for a blatant, uh, in your face to God, Joash says, the Lord look upon it and require it. Like, like that's right. It's right for me to, to slay uh, Zechariah. Goodness. 
cold, calloused, ingrate, ingrate. What happened to Joash? Well, we'll see this kind of thing elsewhere. Judges chapter 2, verse number 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. See, Joshua was one of those great leaders, strong. He knew what was right. He knew where the blessings were and what was connected to the blessings. And he was going to go his way and say, hey, listen, I'm going that way. We should go that way. And they followed. They did all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Go down to verse number 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there rose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Goodness. Doing right by exterior props. Yes, as long as these men, as long as these strong characters are here, sure, we'll we'll go that way. But then they're gone and they fall. No more looking over the shoulder to make sure you're going to do right. No more fidelity to God. No, no, it's it's all gone. It's It's all out. What should we take away from the story of Joash and his life today? It's, you can see this, this message is entitled Training Wheels. Because that's what this is, training wheels. Three things about training wheels and we'll be done. I had seven, but I'm cutting the, uh, the uh, message down by two and a half minutes, okay? <laughs> Number one, training wheels are useful to learn on. You know what? They're, they're, they're a help in a way, you know, if... If you can use training wheels, you know what training wheels are. Some of you don't know what training, you know, maybe you never rode a bike before. But a two-wheel bike, see, I learned to ride a tricycle in my mother's womb, you know. There was no, no difficulty about that at all. Three-wheel bike, a tricycle, you can, you know, you can't hardly tip that over. That's why, honey, after I get real old, I'm trading my motorcycle in for a trike, okay? So, you know, I'm going to be all right then, but... A three-wheel bike, you know, you can't tip. But you get a two-wheel bike, and how are you supposed to do this? You guys remember learning? You know, it's almost like second nature. You don't even remember how to, how to ride a bike anymore. But I remember learning, you know, you get on that bike, and you're going to fall this way, and you're going, oh, no, I don't want to fall that way. I want to go this way. Boom, you know, that doesn't work. you got to go opposite from what you feel like you should be doing, you know. Here you go on that bike, and you're, you're leaning this way, and you're going, I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. You turn this way, boom. I mean, it doesn't work. You've got to learn to go contrary to what you feel like doing. You're going that way, turn that way. Oh, wow. How about you? Go this way, turn this way. Well, training wheels are set so that you can learn. They, they're, on that, they're on you, so when you're going along on that bike, and you're, you're, you're moving this way, you do good or, or not good, they're going to keep you. You know, and you're okay. You're not falling. And, and you know what? Training wheels are okay. Sometimes to learn, training wheels are useful to learn on. There's a time when the mentoring of the guide is helpful. But we're supposed to learn it for ourselves. We're supposed to learn so we get off the training wheels. So training wheels are good for a time. And, and sure, while you're in church yeah, and, and you have somebody that's guiding your life and you're about to make a really stupid decision, uh, unwise decision, and your mentor will take your hand and say, no, no, here, not there. You know, here's the little baby. It's about to touch the, the stove. It's really, really hot. 
And mom says, oh, no, no, don't do that. Get your hand away from there. That's training wheels. And it's okay. For a time, they're, they're good. They're good to learn with. But you know what? The kid is 27 years old, and he's going to touch something. There ain't no mom to slap his hand away, you know. No more training wheels. See, training wheels are useful to learn on, but we're supposed to learn for ourselves so that we can be outside of, we can graduate from the training wheels. Number one, training wheels are useful to learn on. Number two, but training wheels are detrimental to lean on. See, they give false hope. Here's Joash. I mean, he's, he's you know, crooked and he's going along, and, but he's standing straight. All the life of Jehoiada, the priest, he's doing good. He's, he's got his, his country is being blessed. His family is being blessed. The nation is, 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 is uh, grateful to have a king that will bring them in the, in the ways of God. Wonderful. But you know what? Uh, he's leaning on training wheels instead of on his own or learning on his own. And you know what? It looks like everything's great. It looks they give false hope. We think we're better than we are. Hey, listen, especially, especially the children of Wooden Valley Baptist Church. Where are you? Have you learned anything yourself? Have you learned to walk with God? Have you learned that when you pray, God will give you an answer? Or is it just stories? You hear about mom, you hear about dad, you hear about uh, uh, brother so-and-so in church. He's a Sunday school teacher. And he says about how God blessed him and that's wonderful for him. Have you ever heard about that in your life? Do you know or, or do you think you're further on than you are? Oh man, training wheels are dangerous. They're detrimental to lean on. Because they give false hope. Training wheels are useful to learn on. They're detrimental to lean on. And they're crippling to rely on. Crippling. Because the consequences are so great. See, individual accountability accountability wakes us out of our sleep. Because everybody is individually accountable before God. You won't stand before that judgment bar and the holy God that reviews your life with your mom or dad or your preacher or somebody else or your lawyer. No, no, it's by yourself. What have you done? What have you done? How have you chosen in your life? Have you chosen Christ? You know, some of you has, have learned about Jesus forever and you know all about him as being the Savior, but he's still not your Savior. You've still never repented of your sins. You've still never come to the place to make it real. Man, I tell you, that's, that's dangerous. You've got training wheels. They're crippling to rely on. Simple question today is, are you, are you, learn, are you leaning on another's strength? You have to learn to ride without the props. You have to learn to walk with God Without the Jehoiadas. Thank God for the Jehoiadas. But where do you stand? How is, my, how is my walk with God? You know, I might be touching on some things that, oh, they, they really strike a, a chord of grief and fear among parents and grandparents. You know, if you've never had children to come from your own bowels that you love, you don't really understand how much you can love a person, want to, 
want to have the best for them and watch them go off the path and watch them uh, uh, go into destruction. There's there's nothing like a, a child that will learn and live and ride without training wheels. How about it? You have to learn to ride without props. Let's make it real. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the story of Joash and how that... You know, if, if Jehoiada was just lived throughout Joash's entire life, then things might have been different. But that doesn't happen. It's artificial. It's the strength of another. Joash looked pretty good. But he never got it himself. He really never had it himself. He was just affected by those around him. God, I pray that you give us some believers here that have a, have a, a walk with you that is ingrained, that is inner, not exterior props, not churches or institutions or family or anybody else, but no individuals that will that understand where blessings are and and to learn you and to get close to you and and have you proven true and and powerful in our lives over and over again, so that we are not depending on somebody else. Lord, it is so detrimental. It's so <clears throat> deceitful to be thinking that we're better than we are because we're leaning on the, the faith of others. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to learn you today, each one of us individually. You learn you and walk with you today without any props. Lord, help us to take the training wheels off. Lord, I pray for, especially for the children and for the younger ones at Wooden Valley. Lord, I've seen this over these years, several decades of, of children growing up and then then you find out where it's just such a shock to see way on into it that they never had it, never at all. They were just depending upon someone else's strength and someone else's character, someone else's faith. God, give us individuals that don't, don't ride on training wheels. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to walk with you today. Help us to have a genuine, have a real walk with you today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.